the horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you with us. Today, we are going to get quite artistic in a quirky, funky, and fascinating way, because we are going to be talking to a gentleman named Harrod Blank. Let's just get right to it. Harrod Blank, born 1963 in Westminster, California, is an American documentary filmmaker and art car artist. Some would say a cartist, living part-time in Berkeley, California, spends a lot of time in Arizona, too. Harrod is largely responsible for the organization of an art car theme camp at the annual Burning Man Festival, known worldwide, and he is working on a documentary about the event. We are so happy to hook up with Harrod Blank on Trip Talk today. Harrod, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gary. I am delighted to be able to talk to you about so many things, as much as time will allow, and we're going to put special focus, if you'll pardon the pun, on your camera van. It's featured in the latest edition, the current issue, of American Road Magazine, Creating Art Cars. It's an ensemble piece, Creating Art Cars, A Weird and Wonderful World on Wheels. I love that. Alliterative, too. Let me read the lead from this, and then we're going to get to know Harrod a lot better. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. And that's particularly true where camera van is concerned. The bulky vehicle rolls onto the scene covered top to tail light with cameras, and onlookers don't know what to say. Fortunately for us, Harrod Blank does know what to say, and we're so happy to have you with us, Harrod. What an amazing life you are living. I've met many rugged individualists in my time. I've met my share of nonconformists, but you might just take the picture and the cake along with it. What an extraordinary career you've had with art cars, with your books and your documentaries, one of which has been years in the making. It's not quite out yet, but when it is, it's going to be extraordinary, I have no doubt. Thank you. Let's get started with looking at the concept of the art car itself. As I was reading the article, and I also caught yourself, I would tell people, if you want to know more about Harrod, you can go to YouTube and see a lot of great stuff, usually a few minutes at a time, and it will just leave your jaw dropped. I'll tell you, it's really amazing stuff. Let me ask you, so that we get down to the, the terminology of it, Harrod, for you, what defines an art car? Well, that's pretty much uh, open game as long as it's something of art on a car. I mean, that can be uh, from painted to even covering a car with bumper stickers. It becomes um, it becomes art, and uh, it really depends on the individual. So uh, I'm I'm very in favor. I'm biased, but I think that art cars provide so much um, color and and opinions and statements and um, style to the road, and it makes driving more exciting for everybody. I agree with you, and I've had experiences that tell me to understand what you're talking about a lot better. I think we've all seen the Volkswagen Beetle, and I don't mean the, the newer version. I'm talking about the vintage VW Bug that's covered in bumper stickers. 
in various states where I've lived and many that I've visited, I've seen at least one of those. So, yes, there is that kind of art car. That, that's grassroots art, I think. <laughs> so maybe it all is. I don't know. But I also have seen, and this is an example of why I needed to ask you this differentiating question, Harrod, and that is I recall going on four years ago now, I was driving through Spokane, stopped to get gas, and what pulled up next to me but a truck. It was, it was a modified Chevy truck, yellow, and with it, there was this huge flag, a Gadsden flag on one side, the Don't Tread on Me flag, and on the other side there was a Trump bumper sticker. And this could be any candidate for any office. It happened, it happened to be a, a Trump sticker, and what I mean to say is a Trump flag. So he didn't have matching flags, but he made a statement, this driver, and he was quite proud of it. He was beaming as I looked at it. Gadsden flag on one side, Trump flag on the other, and bumper stickers to go with it. And I thought, here's somebody making a statement, but I don't know what it is that would categorize a vehicle as an art car unless there was some impulse to create something that has more than ephemeral value as long as you keep that vehicle around and keep it in motion. Does that sound like I understand where you're going with this? Maybe. I mean, there's different levels of it. So in the most simplistic form, you could you could argue that that is, you know, kind of uh, getting to be an art car. But, you know, it's different for everybody. At Burning Man, uh, they their criteria is that they don't want to know or see what kind of car it is underneath. So the art car actually becomes something completely different. Um, art cars... Generally, like I've seen, by the way, if you're going to go political on it, there is a Bernie Sanders ban from Seattle by an artist named David Crow, and I think he's in L.A. right now um, promoting Bernie Sanders. There was a Hillary Clinton art car that is in Bisbee, Arizona by Gretchen Baer, and there was a much more elaborate, from what you described, uh, Trump vehicle in... Maryland, which was also a pro-smoking vehicle. So it was a pro-smoking, smoker's right, and Trump <laughs> art car. And uh, But, you know, it, I don't know. It just seems to me that a lot of people just want to be anonymous, and they want to be in a car that doesn't show anything about them except perhaps their, their status in society, uh, that they have this particular car or or maybe part of their persona, like if they're an outdoors person, they drive a Jeep. But if you go beyond that and you start putting stickers, bumper stickers, flags, you're starting to tell other people around you something about yourself. And when you do that, you actually have to own up to it. So that person with the Trump flag is going to have to deal with a public that in some cases they're going to love it, and in many cases they're going to hate it. So they're going to have to deal with that. And that's why I think the average person may prefer to be anonymous. They don't have to deal with revealing parts of themselves when they go to the supermarket, for example. But in my opinion, it makes the world a more colorful place. It's healthy to share your opinions, And I just think that uh, art, public art, which art cars are, 
just makes our society a more interesting, more elaborate, beautiful place to be in. So I'm totally biased towards art cars. Now, when they get to the level of flags, you know, bumper stickers, it's just it's very minimal. Um, I'm I'm more I'm more attracted to the elaborate cars that a person has spent a year minimum on. And what people don't realize is how hard and meticulous it may be to glue pennies all over your vehicle and make it look good. You know, and so there's a huge time quotient in making our cars that may is generally underestimated by the public. I prepare to believe that anyway, but you made that point very clear during an interview that you did at Burning Man many years ago. It might have been 2005. A young lady was interviewing you inside one of your art cars, and there was some discussion about the concerns you have and that anyone should have about design and safety. And you were indicating, and it really just uh, clicked for me right then and there, when you told your interviewer that people don't fully appreciate when they start out, when they first have this notion that they could create an art car, exactly how much how much precision and how much attention needs to be paid to the safety features because you don't know whether or not you have secured that which does not naturally belong to the automobile in terms of its ability to stay intact when you're rolling down the road. That's a genuine concern. Yeah, and that's actually one of the more basic concerns because if if the things that you adhere to the car are not permanent or, or, or could come off, that's a liability, and that's actually not good. And so um, when you mention flags, flags deteriorate in the wind pretty fast, and uh, they don't hold up very well. When it comes to plastic, when you would, when you would hear plastic items on your car, the sun and the weather just kind of bleaches out the plastic to the point where it becomes brittle, and it will actually lose its color within probably the first year average. Um, on plastic items. So right there, and, and, you know, you may not know that when you start your vehicle that the the power of wind and, and, and also wind drag and on your it affects your gas mileage, all these different parameters that go into making art on a car that is not like doing a canvas or something. You have to really think about the elements of sun, wind, and, and you also have to think about people and whether people are going to touch it and how how well you need to adhere all the uh the objects on your car if you're putting objects on your car when it comes to your particular car of the moment for readers of american road magazine this wonderful camera van i'm looking at a picture of it in the magazine pictures that you provided by the way the camera van how extraordinary one of a kind absolutely one of a kind and people have asked you what's the inspiration you're quoted in the article i guess it was my dad who provided the ultimate inspiration he was a movie maker a documentarian i would carry his tripod when i was a kid camera van was my dream turned reality please tell us about that whole process where did it begin how much time did it take how many cameras are involved it looks like they run off into eternity on this car, it's just extraordinary. Give us the backstory to Camera Van. 
Okay, the backstory is is that in in high school, I created an art car called Oh My God, which was a VW bug 1965 it was all white and i didn't feel that the car represented me at all in fact i thought it was ugly and an embarrassment so that's where i took my first initial um, energy was to make that car more representative of me and so i started painting on it and i painted a rooster on the driver's door because i was actually raising chickens at the time and I put Bob Marley on the passenger's door because I was also in the reggae music. So, and these are paintings. And then the car just went on from there over the years, all through high school, all through college at UC Santa Cruz and beyond. And then it became actually the flagship of my whole career. The problem is, is that as I aged, my parents were like, Harris, don't you think that you should be doing something else with your life? Like maybe... Uh, you know, anything else, like maybe you want to be a stockbroker or, you know, go to business school. And, and so I had to, even, even to my own parents, explain to them the joy and the happiness that that car brought to the public, that the, my public are the people on the street. And so one night, you know, I'm kind of a little bit tormented by my parents and others who want me to so-called grow up and get a real job and all that. One night I had this dream where I covered the car with cameras and I drove around and I took pictures of the iconographic portrait of people looking in awe. In other words, like a child. In other words, like they can't define what it is they're seeing. And when you see something for the very first time, it is, it is an amazing, um, beautiful moment. And, and it's uh, exciting and enriching and bewildering. And, and so that, that dream, I woke up in the middle of the night and I sketched on a napkin. It was actually a, a, a van covered with cameras. And just so I wouldn't forget it. And in the morning when I woke up, I thought, oh, my God. If I really did pull this off, I think I could capture people's raw reactions of awe, bewilderment, because they wouldn't know which camera worked. And so right when they have their initial reaction to the art car, I capture it. And then I could show my parents and I could show people what effect art cars have on the general public. And that was the whole thing about the camera van. And when I decided to actually do it, everyone was really concerned. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's in his 30s, and he's starting to cover his, He's starting to collect cameras, which I had to do for over a year because I, I needed so many. And then I bought a one-ton van, and then I covered it, started covering with cameras and painting with the cameras. So I made a giant Kodak Instamatic on the driver's side of the vehicle. And then I ran out of cameras, and I had to collect cameras for another year to finish it. And then once the van was finished, it, it, it was um, unveiled in New York in 1996, and it just hit a chord because at that time, camera technology was actually going from film to digital, and all of these uh, film cameras were actually ending up in a landfill, thrift stores, and that's where I was, I was getting them. And... Um, it just struck a chord, and then 
the the van took me on a ride. It took me to to England for a year where I promoted a photo festival called Photo 98. And I went all over the UK with a bodyguard, bodyguard from the British military because at that time Princess Diana had just died and they thought that there was going to be repercussions because I looked like a paparazzi and that they might want to kill me. So I had a bodyguard and I went all over the UK and then it ends up in Germany and went to the Essen Motor Show and it went to a tour of Canada and and uh, it was just, it was an amazing, uh, and by the way, I took photos on all these journeys. And you can see some of these on the website, uh, cameravan.com. But I have way more uh, images, and one day I'd like to have an exhibition of, of the camera van and the pictures it has taken, which are representative of, of people seeing something for the first time. I know that sounds kind of banal and simple but that's what i was after and that's that's what the van accomplished that it would just be jaw-dropping no question about it it puts me in mind of the ryerson museum there in toronto so when you get all of those photos together and you're ready to turn them into an exhibit i'll bet you would have a taker north of the border there in toronto well that that would be uh that'd be a great idea I almost had an exhibition in New Orleans at the New Orleans Museum of Art, but the the van itself wouldn't fit between the columns, uh, you know, in the front of the museum. So um, they they nixed the idea, but I'm still waiting. And in the interim, uh, the camera van is on display in the Art Car World Museum down here in Douglas, Arizona, where I've been building this museum since 2005, and we've got 25 art cars and three art motorcycles. I do want to ask you, let's go back to England for a moment, Harrod, because in this article, I'm glad they included this, You something about the camera van involved an unwitting invitation to the Queen of England's garden party at Buckingham Palace. That could not have been uneventful. That was uh, actually... <laughs> it got me in big trouble. Um, I was with a journalist, a woman a journalist, who um, she's the one that knew about the Queen's Garden Party. I wasn't aware of that, and she thought that it would be it would make for some interesting picture and uh, drive-by. So, unfortunately for me, I had already been forewarned about the camera van around Buckingham Palace because... Upon arriving into the into London, I thought I would drive around the palace, and I didn't know that you couldn't do that. And when I started to drive through the gate, this giant thing shot up under the from under the ground and blocked me. I had to slam on my brakes. The Bobby came out and goes, "What on bloody earth are you doing?" And I said, "I was going to take a stroll around the palace." He says, "You can't do that." And and then they they gave me a warning and and. and and, uh, and then, so on the second time, when I went to the Queen's Garden Party and I was photographing their, their guests, the guests didn't really want to look. And I have a PA on the camera van. I decided, well, I'm going to get their attention and get them to look one way or another. And I actually said, ladies and gentlemen, say cheese. And then I would hit the button and some flashes would go off. And then, then that made them curious. And then I... I could tell they wanted to look, and then I got on a PA. I said, you can do it. 
you can look, you can smile, and then a couple people looked with out of the right of their eye, you know, and and then I took their picture, and by the time I got had got driven by the line of guests, which was about maybe eighty to hundred people, women in their floral dresses and men in their top hats. I've never seen anything like it, and I was fascinated by it. And by the time I got to the end of the line, there was a Bobby in the middle of the road, and he pulled me over, and he said, "Okay." You have uh, personally offended the queen. And and then I noticed that the journalist was starting to shudder. And I'm like, what's going on? And then, and then he says, you, um, you've offended the queen, and you are never to come back to Buckingham Palace with this camera van again. And if you do, we're going to confiscate the van and give you a one-way ticket back to the U.S., and you're never coming back to the U.K. again. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then the journalist is still shaking. I'm like, and then we're, I'm starting to drive off. And it was a little unnerving because he was really, really upset. And I asked the journalist, I said, are you okay? What's going on? Don't you realize um, by contemporary British law, you could be beheaded for this? <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you kidding? And so <laughs> that was the, uh, that was the adventure <laughs> In the UK, and those pictures are fantastic, by the way. Oh, I wish you the best with that. What an extraordinary story, an extraordinary artifact on wheels, no less, for all the world to see. And that photo exhibit there, I believe that's going to come off beautifully. Before we leave, though, Harrod, I did want to ask you, you're so tied into car culture, particularly the artistic aspect. What is coming up this year in Seattle for lovers of art cars? Yeah, there's an event in Seattle called the Art Car Blowout, which was started by a woman artist in Seattle named Kelly Lyle. And Kelly Lyle, folks in that area may remember a Subaru painted like a leopard that gradually morphed into being covered with thousands of leopards, including metal leopard ears that were painted pink on the inside. And that car is called Leopard Bernstein, and that is on exhibit at the Art Car World Museum in Douglas, Arizona. And Kelly has been doing this annual event every year for, we'd have to look it up, but I, I think maybe 10 years or more. And it comes up in June. So you can look up Art Car Blowout, you know, on, on Google or whatever, and uh it's a great festival. It's part of another festival in Seattle. I, I believe they have a naked bike ride or something associated with it, but it's all in kind Fremont, of art. Yeah. And it's a, it's a Fremont. Yes, yes, Fremont. It's a great, great event and a lot of fun. And I've done it maybe three times myself with uh, my own art cars. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of art car events. There's, there's a handful of significant ones, and Seattle – the Seattle Art Car Blowout is one of them. The Houston Art Car Parade is the big one. And then there's um, there's pockets of events here and there across the country. Um, and Burning Man has quite a large uh, contingency, which they classify as mutant vehicles, which fits into the criteria that they've created that in which you can't tell what kind of car it is. And uh, the newer criteria that it needs to carry passengers. So a lot of these vehicles at Burning Man are large-scale, carry passengers, can't tell what it is, what kind of car it is, 
and they suspend your disbelief of, of what you're seeing. It's not a car. It's something, it's something else entirely. Harrod Blank, I am so thrilled that we got a chance to talk today. I hope I find myself in Douglas, Arizona. That would be a good place to meet up with you. And in particular, I want to extend an invitation because we only scratch the surface, not of any of your art, thank goodness, but we do have the opportunity in the future to do however many interviews you would like to do regarding this oeuvre of yours. It's extraordinary. And in particular, next time we talk, I would like to ask you lots of questions about your documentary filmmaking. Oscars are coming up in a couple of days. So I think documentaries are, if anything, underappreciated. And thank goodness we have people like you to make them and show us parts of the world we wouldn't see otherwise. I'm grateful for the chance to talk to you today. Let's do it again. Okay, great. I do have a new movie out that's on a, a transgender art car artist from Albuquerque. And the movie's called Why Can't I Be Me Around You? And the title again is? Why can't I be me around you? I love it. I hope everybody watches it. I'll look for it myself. <laughs> Thank you, Harrod. We'll talk to you again Great. soon. Hey, thanks a lot. A real pleasure. Thank you. And right. thank you, ladies Bye -bye. and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Till next week, drive safely and dream well.